Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hello, I'm Wayne Hiley, Managing Director and CEO of Peninsula Energy. Peninsula is a uniquely placed junior uranium mining company. Um, I say that because we have contracts and a long-term contract book that, that allows us cash revenues. But more than that, uh, we're a, a junior uranium company that's been in production and has been preparing to return to production. Uh, we, we're conducting a field demonstration on, a, on an improved process. Uh, we've had significant developments in that field demonstration, which we'll share with the market today. So I'm pleased to be joining um, uh, with you here on, on Crux Investor with Matt Gordon. Fantastic. Long time no speak, Mr. Wayne Halu. Um, <laughs> that's a nuclear joke. That's um, a great uranium joke. It's the, you need to be in the, in the nuclear uranium space to understand that, or very clever, uh, or both. Um, look, you saw the press release uh, with regards to the demonstration. I think the market's been waiting for you to come out and say, we've cracked it. Have you? We have. We feel very comfortable that the low pH chemistry at the Lance project is the way to move forward. Our project was built with alkaline chemistry as every USISR project has since the pretty much the dawn of time. Uh, but we've moved towards low pH chemistry and we've been demonstrating that. Our, our operations, our field demonstration operations have now been running for over a year. Uh, we've seen the results. We see the uranium tracking upward. We're getting good uranium recoveries from the project. And we're very satisfied that we've come to the uranium chemistry, the extraction chemistry that we need to, to move forward. So now the demonstration will continue. We're going to continue to look at the full uranium recovery curve. We're going to continue to learn from the operation. Uh, we've had significant learnings in other areas than just chemistry and pattern designs and, and uh, you know, how we install our wells and how we target the ore underground. Uh, so we're very pleased that we've spent the last year of our time and, and some money in this uh, proving that um, the low pH chemistry will work and learning how to make it work best. Okay, so the low, low um, pH works, great. Where has it moved you from and, and, and to? What can you tell us in the sense of how much better is this than what you had before? So we're doing the demonstration to get the full recovery curve from the formation, but the laboratory tests that preceded this demonstration were real clear indicators that this was the right direction to go. In the laboratory tests, we could take... Uh, you know, the recover, recovery rates from maybe 50, 60% and sometimes 70% uh, from the alkaline chemistry, and we could elevate it up above 90% recovery. In the field, we probably won't see a full 90% recovery, but we're going to see a similar trend in much higher uranium recoveries uh, from the field. The uranium does come out faster. It comes out at greater concentrations, and we get more of it. Uh, and that's why we were making that transition. That's why we wanted to do this. And, and now we feel comfortable that um, the chemistry choice was the right one. Okay, so the, 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 chem the chemistry choice is the right one. When do we, the public, the shareholding community, get to see the economics around this? You're saying, obviously, we're going to be able to produce uranium. Great. Can you produce it economically? When will we know? 
Yeah, well, um, we still have a, a feasibility study that was published in 2018 that's holding pretty true, but we will take the learnings from this field demonstration when it's complete uh, and complete an updated feasibility study. So, you know, that's why I said we need to see the full uranium recovery curve because we'd like to base our feasibility update on the learnings uh, and the full curve from the, from the field demonstration rather than from the laboratory. Um, so we're talking about, um, you know, 2022, uh, second half, probably for an updated fe uh, feasibility study. Right, you did an SPP back in in June, sort of top up from the the, the previous raise when you kind of um, retired the debt. Um, what um, are you going to? Uh, sorry, are you going to have enough money to get to that point next year, or will you have to top up again? Well, that's why um, I said we're uniquely positioned as a as a junior uranium miner. We have uranium sales ongoing now. Uh, in the first half of this year, we sold over 200,000 pounds. The revenue came in early in the, in the third quarter. Um, you know, we, we realized three and a half million dollars from that sale. Uh, we just completed another sale of about 200,000 pounds, another $3.8 million coming into the company accounts net from that sales transaction. Uh, yes, we're a company that's really essentially self-funded and that's why we're unique on the junior front. Uh, we had um, six and a half, seven million dollars in cash at the end of our last reporting period. We've had multiple uh, sales and and have multiple or, or significant revenue coming in in the second half this year. Um, we do have the ability to continue doing the field demonstration and all of the preparatory work that we are doing now, uh, without really considerably changing our bank account. But why do the SPP back in June then for two million bucks? Right. Well, what we did in June was a little unique. Um, we built, we purchased an inventory of uranium. Uh, we bought three hundred thousand pounds of uranium as a working inventory for our company. We purchased that uranium at about thirty one, thirty one and a quarter uh, per pound. Today, that's worth uh, forty. Uh, almost $41 a pound. So I think we were in the market at the right time, um, anticipating a need to have working inventory. When you're dealing with customers, when you have accounts that you have to service, you have to have some working inventory. So we went to the market, we raised a little bit of money, a, a discrete amount. We didn't go all in on uranium. We weren't buying uranium as a speculation on the price, but we had a good sense that um, we had Sprott's Uranium Trust coming into the market in the near future, and that the time to do this was then. And, and I think that hindsight has proven, or hindsight, hindsight has proven that to be correct. Okay, fine. So you're, you're, you're pleased with the field demonstration. You, you must have had a lot of inbound phone calls saying, you know, congratulating you. And, and did you get one from Paul Gorenson? <laughs> Paul and I talk uh, all the time, usually in, in group calls. Um, so... You know, nothing, you know, look, we're friends and, and, and he's doing a great job over at Encore. Um, but uh, I'm not going to claim that Paul calls me up and pats me on the back every day. Right. And I, 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 I'm just, I just wondering how, how interested he was in, in, in your results, because obviously um, there's something going on out there, which is, you know, and, and maybe we should talk a little bit, a bit about this. Um, they've obviously announced their, uh, I, I guess, takeover, acquisition, merger. I'm not quite sure how they're positioning it basically, but they are doing, they want to do a roll up of ISR companies. 
a year in discussion with them? If we were, I wouldn't say. And and if we weren't, I, I wouldn't say. Matt, it's a great question, but it, it's not, not appropriate for... For, for comments. We've got to ask. That's because that's what people are wondering. That's what people are wondering. Um, so in the fullness of time, we'll work out whether you're going ahead with this project or you know, more likely, well, not more likely, a roll-up is likely. Um, right, so let, let, let's talk about this, actually, because there's there's a few new players in the market. We talked about this last time. There's always going to be dusting off of projects, a few new players kind of come, in, come into the market who don't have the history, the stature, or the track record of ever having worked in uranium, let alone produced uranium. Right, and that was fine last year. Do you think, with this impetus, uh, sorry, the beginning of the year when there was a bit of a resurgence of, of interest, do you think, with the emergence of the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, which seemingly driving the spot price from thirty-two just four weeks ago up to well, nearly best part of forty-one today, at the end of this week? Um, do you think that companies who are just, you know, dusting off those um, old projects are going to be able to raise money off the back of this, you know, generalist interest in the space, or do you think at some point they're going to be found out? Well, they'll absolutely be able to raise some money. That I think that goes without a doubt because the rising market lifts all boats. Uh, but you know, the market has gotten to a really interesting point with, you know, a 30% increase in, in the price of uranium in the last three weeks, less than a month. Sprott, as you said, driving it. But we're going to find out very soon who has what it takes to produce uranium. We're going to find out, you know, who's been doing their homework, who's been doing their preparation, and who's just talk. Um, it, it takes a very long time to permit an operation and to construct it, and it takes an additional amount of time to get it right, to get production right. There's been, um, you know, Peninsula is one of those companies. We have the facilities, uh, we have all the permits, and we've been spending the time uh, in, the, in the past months and years preparing to put our best foot forward into production. So I feel very good about where Peninsula is. We have the operational team. We have the right people in place. We probably have more employees as a company than pretty much anybody else in the U.S. space right now. Because we're running the field demonstration, we have a full operational team uh, who's cutting their teeth and, and who's practicing their trade. Uh, when it comes to putting the project back into production, I'm confident in the team that I have today. I don't have to go higher. Uh, so, like I said, you know, I think Peninsula has the production chops. I think we have the uh, experience, and and I think we have um, the track record with the people that we have in place uh, to really move this project forward fast. So, for for investors, the time might be now to start considering. Are you really just interested in developers or are you interested in people who are going to be able to capitalize on this market as this market develops? Well, well let's dig down on that one, okay? I want to understand why you think it's important that the company can get into production. So far, the last few years, last 10 years, well, it, 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 the last couple of years, it hasn't really mattered, quite frankly. Why now? Why is now important? Because, because spot, spot price is being driven up. It's still nowhere near the price that some most well all companies are going to need to be able to get this get back into production or at least raise the capital to be able to get into production um 
there are no contracts being signed. So why are you saying now is the time to look at producers or, or could be producers versus exploration or development place? Because all of the all of the companies who've who've given an idea of what their incentive price in are soon going to be seeing that incentive price marked in the market. So what are you going to do? Are you going to um, um, eat your words or are you going to produce your pounds? <laughs> That's why, uh, you know, we have to we have to make an investment decision. We haven't made that yet. Don't don't get me wrong, um, but we know that um, you know what price point um, this mine can be profitable, and and the investors expect that of us. They expect us as as a junior company with a production operation to be at the on the front foot and putting that project into production as quickly as we can when the market is right. Um, and, and we can do that. You know, this is a company that can put production uh, on the table uh, for, for sales, um, you know, in the near future. So um, you'll see that. And, and yes, you're right. In the past, we really weren't rewarded for that attribute. Um, but, but everybody's been betting on, you know, on uranium prices coming up. And now today we're seeing it. If this trend stays, it, you know, if the price continues to rise, it, if Sprott and, and their physical uranium trust continue to, to pull um, the, the mobile inventory out of the spot market, um, you know, we're going to see this, the uranium price continue to rise. Uh, I don't think that there's a limitation with Sprott. I know that they initially um, issued a 300 or paper to $300 million ATM, and they're probably, you know, considerably well through that now. But look at the influence that $200 million of investment into uranium made in the market. It pushed the price uh, 30%. You know, they've said publicly, We'll, we'll use this up. And if there's still an appetite, we'll issue a 500 million ATM. Uh, look, they have a feedback loop right now that's working really great. You know, they buy uranium, they, they drive the price up. That raises their asset value, their net asset value of all of their assets. Um, and that means investors are interested in, in the revenues that their fund uh, is is generating. So more investment comes into the fund, they buy more uranium, they pay a higher price, they raise the asset value. And it's, it's rinse and repeat, it's do it over and over again. Big question, when when will that end? How will that end? Look, you know, Sprott's got a fundamental responsibility to their new investors to maintain that price. And, and I don't see any reason why with them coming into the U.S. And, and listing in the U.S. and with the access to capital that they found just by re rejiggering um, the structure of, of the Iranian Participation Corp. You know, look, they're doing a wonderful thing. There's no reason why um, the way it's working right now has to stop. Um, they are buying up uranium. They're willing to pay more because they're rewarded for paying more. You know, I can't do that. I'm not rewarded for paying more for uranium. I'm going to be rewarded for producing uranium. This is this is a, a really exciting time in the market, Matt. Um, but it really is um, coming down to we're going to find out who's really ready to go. So, okay, let me be clear. There's a few a few points along that, that that conversation there. So we say exploration companies, we need them because we need to find more uranium. Okay, fine. But development companies who are near-term producers in their own words will need to step up to the plate and show that they are. 
Now, I had an interesting conversation with John Borshoff um, a couple of days ago, and today actually, uh, where you know his, his his hypothesis is it doesn't matter what spot price gets to for some of those near-term development companies. It doesn't matter if it hits the, the number that shows in the scope. So they technically don't have the competence in-house to be able to produce. That, John Borshoff's words, right? So he said, that's a mm -hmm. real concern. The skill sets aren't there, the experience isn't there, and this isn't a case of whipping out a recipe book and going, well, here, here's how to, right? It doesn't work like that. In, 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 I'll in, agree with that. I've been in this industry too long, producing uranium for too long to think that it's just as simple as saying, do what Wayne does. Yeah. So, well, so tell me this then. So how does a utility, because these, these near-term developers are going to be saying, hey, spot price is where we need it to be. I think we can have contract discussions with utilities. A utility walking into a company like that, which has spent a lot of time marketing and promoting themselves in the market, and they may have achieved great things in terms of share price and market capitalization. Um, the utilities don't care about that. They go, can you produce uranium consistently and at the volume you, you are telling me that you can sell to me, yes or no? That's a real simple question for them, the real simple math. Yeah, can you do it, yes or no? And if, if they don't believe the company can do that, they don't get a contract. Utility moves on to next conversation. So do you, do you think that there are near-term development companies, so development companies which are near-term producers, in, in, according to them, that are gonna have to rethink the way that they come at this? I mean, where do they go to get the skill, necessary skills to be able to produce? How long does that take? Well, absolutely, they have to start thinking about that today because um, theoretically, you know, we're already at a spot price where these companies could produce. Most companies won't make a production decision based on the spot price, it's just not reliable. So you point to the contracts with utilities. Utilities look at companies like Peninsula through the lens of a risk profile. Uh, how much risk is it, you know, for me to take a contract with them if I'm dependent on those pounds, right? It, you know, they might make a contract with us because we're offering a price that's outstanding and they're not, not dependent on receiving those pounds for the reactors. Uh, but most of them are looking at us and saying, can you produce? Do you have a track record? Uh, do you have a project with a track record? And, um, and, and then they'll decide to do the contracting. So, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's, there's, there's no doubt that the utilities use that lens to view the junior companies. And not everybody, not every junior company has the team and the track record uh, to pass that test. But that then becomes a sort of nil-sum game, really, then in terms of that conversation and the leverage because it, that, that a, another company could have, right? You can either produce or you can't. And if you can't, valuations tend to get hurt a lot. And so if you need to bring those skills in, so do you expect to see a lot more M&A given we seem to have got to the sharp end of the stick? It looks like we're gonna have more of the same certainly through the you know end of the year into next year from, from Sprott's behavior, their ability to raise uh, money, continue to attract interest. Is this an opportune moment for roll-ups to happen? In which case, in which case obviously we, we talked about, I joked about Encore earlier, but the reality is this could be a really good 
moment for someone to come and come and do that. Maybe Encore has got the strategy right. Yeah, I think this is a good time to consider um, uh, mergers, acquisitions, bulking up. Um, you know, putting putting um, two teams that are like minded, but but also have variable skill sets together to make one stronger company. Um, there is going to be more M&A activity in the markets in, in the coming months uh, than we've seen. It's because it's been really sleepy for a long time. And the reason it's been sleepy is that most of the companies say, I like my portfolio right now. I like what I have. I have a project that can be put into production or two that can be put into production. Um, and I'll wait until the price of uranium goes up you know, to see what valuations we get for it. You know, not every junior uranium uh, developer is going to become a junior uranium producer. So, you know, it, it takes a it takes a lot more skill to take a project from conception to production than it does uh, to take a, a project from conception to a delineated resource. Okay. So, again, investor hat on, because if I, if I look at that, I think there are some... Co- Companies which are which look good but don't have good assets, and then there are other companies which actually have good assets, but the management team obviously not in a position through lack of experience or knowledge to be able to to monetize that. So there's all there's all sorts out there. But what concerns me with regards to this timing thing, this pointy end of the stick, that is, I think we've got a period of time before Spurt Sprott Physical Uranium Trust lists on NYSE. Um, where they continue to drive and drive the market, you know, raise the money, uh, attract more and more interest. There's a there seems to be a period there where investors can take advantage of this. You know, everyone's seeing a spike in their share price. You, you guys have benefited from that. Um, but is it is it once it's listed in NYSE and all this new new uh, money's come in? Is that is that a moment where perhaps people should be thinking about maybe? Uh, selling off a little bit will have got too frothy by that you know every investor has a different strategy for you know when they're going to take the money off the table so that would be an interesting point um but i don't think i don't think that is the point because once um, sprott has access to a deeper pool of money all they're going to do is grow their their inventory and grow their base and 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 continue to do what they just started to do i think what they they're doing today is just in the infancy and and the effect they've had has been pronounced um you know a lot of people are saying why didn't i think of that a long time ago why didn't we go out and do that you know congratulations to sprott for their excellent execution on a concept that that is is just self-fulfilling you know like i said the, the positive feedback that they get you know the, the more they buy the more money that comes into their fund it's it's an incredible uh, cycle, but there's got to be an endpoint to it. It's a small market. I don't think we're even close. You know, the price of uranium today is 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 not what the price of uranium was in 2011. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, the price of uranium was close to 70 dollars. Today, we're re- reveling in the idea that we saw a 10 dollar increase to 40. Uh, but the reality is, the price of uranium belongs up in the you know above 50, up in the 60, 70 dollar price range. It belongs there, um, you know, f- to incentivize uh, existing producers uh, who have projects idle to re re up their projects and get them going again. To incentivize current producers to up their production rates from their current facilities. Uh, 
to get the uranium production industry out of the malaise that it's been in in the last 10 years because of low prices. These low prices are really, you know, low prices, uh, $20, $30. Everybody said it's not enough to incentivize production. $40 is, is moving the right direction. But to me, um, and, and I think the, the folks at Sprott recognize it too, the, the incentive price for production is north of 50, it's probably closer to 60. Uh, that's when you're going to start seeing existing producers put, put projects back into production or guys with developed projects. And then, you know, then we can bring in some new projects too. Um, so, you know, the price has to not just get to 60, but stay up there. Um, you know, we have to be able to write contracts at that price uh, to ensure uh, revenues and returns on investment for putting the projects back into production. And then we've got to go out and redevelop a talent pool. Uh, this industry has been in decline for too long. The talent pool has been uh, very, very heavily depleted and, and, you know, just not enough of us have stuck around, uh, you know, to, to see the end. Um, yeah, it, it's not easy. It's not easy to look at a, you know, a price of, that doesn't incentivize production every day. And, and people have moved on. Can we get them back? Can we get new people into the industry? It's going to take, uh, you know, a rebuilding of the industry. It's going to take time. Okay. Are you not at all concerned? But and look, and I appreciate you're a beneficiary. You know, Peninsula is a beneficiary. A lot of you know, shareholders of, you, of uranium equities are beneficiaries of it. Are, we, are you not concerned that you're looking at it through rose-tinted glasses? You've kind of got a, a sort of synthetic financial instrument has come in. It's helped things out. It started moving things along. At some point, though, they've got to, cracks have got to appear because we don't know the long-term effects of what's being created here, do we? No, we don't. Uh, but it is clearly a new day and, and clearly uh, a new opportunity uh, you know, this is a, I am happy with the way things are developing, uh, but I'm also always guarded and cautious. You know, those listeners of yours who've listened to me in the past know my conservative nature. Um, you know, so, you know, recently people who've seen me, um, you know, and, and spoken with me said, well, you really upbeat what, you know, what's changed? You know, I said, well, we saw this coming. We saw when Sprott said that they were going to do this, that this could be a real game changer. You know, the Peninsula management team was was um, uh, reactive and 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 front footed on that. You know, so we went out and got some uranium. We we positioned ourselves well for what we thought was going to happen. You know, our lens on this is is that we did the right thing. Um, <clears throat> so you know, look, no, we don't know the end game, and, and all the all good comes to an end at some point, but I'm I'm of the mind that the stage is set a lot like it was in 2005, uh, where you know we have the opportunity for a significant bull run, and we may just be at the start of it. Right? Are you okay? Fair enough. We we, we don't know what we don't know at the moment, right? You know, and uh, we all welcome this, and as shareholders, we welcome this for whoever you're invested in. It, it's it's great after you know this kind of period of malaise and, and disinterest. Do, there, again, I'm just going to go to market commentary because everyone's just kind of very upbeat and wave, flailing their arms around. There's a lot of promotion and a lot of 
upbeat conversation, we'll call it. And then there's some, you know, people who, you know, urge a little, little bit of caution, welcome it, but urge a little bit of caution here. So, you know, with, with regards to um, pricing, we've seen people bandying $200 around, right? So, you know, and I, I think if you said that a year ago, you said that person's mad. But do, do you think that is a distinct possibility here because of the supply component, the very thing we were talking about earlier, the fact that if you look at people like trade, the, the trade tax, or even the WNAs of this world are looking at the company's uh, projections and discounting a significant percentage of, of that as, as, a, as, a, as a cumulative total. They're discounting a significant portion of that because they don't believe, like you are intimating, you don't believe a lot of these companies are one, going to be able to get into production and two, be able to produce at the rates they say they are. So that should create a supply squeeze. So maybe 200 bucks isn't so crazy. It's possible. Yeah. You know, I don't have that crystal ball, but I know that the, the supply in the uranium market is thin. Um, the available supply today is thin. We have significant producers who said they, can, they need to continue buying to, to supply their contracts. Uh, you know their contracts may be market priced, so the buying that they do is is going to you know. But that's that's co that's 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 COVID's benefit. I'm talking about look, looking out. Let, let's assume we yeah, hopefully but, resume but, some. But looking out into the future, the current producers are committing their inventory. There's not a lot of uh, mobile inventory coming into the market, so it seems to me that that the uranium market has a a lot more upside than it does downside today. Uh, where it where it stops, I don't know. Um, but we know that the effect of $200 million on the uranium price, $200 million of investment in the uranium inventories had a 30% in, in increase in the uranium price. Uh, $200 million in the big picture isn't a lot. Sprott has the potential to bring a whole lot more money to the table. Yellowcake can do the same thing. You know, Sprott doesn't have to be the sole actor in this. Um, you know, a lot of people are the beneficiary. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes. It, it, but, you know, supply and demand has been fundamentally difficult. Um, you know, we know that that primary production has not met primary uh, demand for a long, long time. And that that inventories and, and uh, uh, secondary um, supplies have been filling the gap. But we also have seen very clearly that, that inventory is declining. Inventory in the hands of producers, folks who can sell it, is declining. Inventory in the hands of utilities has declined because they've done minimal amounts of purchasing. Uh, so, you know, the stage is really set for a, a strong run. And that's why I said the upside is far greater than the downside today. Yeah, and, and, and it, it possibly changing the dynamics of the sector as well. We're seeing, you know, people, you know, carry trade being impacted. We're seeing all sorts of, you know, traders uh, usually, you know, clipping their, clipping their little um, piece of any transactions. So mobile inventory is reducing for sure. But the real players in this, and always have been, is utilities need to step up and they need to come to the party. We've been saying that for years now. They don't look too shook up about this. There's not, I mean, are you seeing a lot more, um, you know, RFPs coming out? Are you seeing more conversation? Uh, no, not yet. Right. It's, it's too soon. Um, you know, I think they're, they're 
doing the the usual uh, let's wait and see uh, you know approach to life. They have an adequate inventory to keep their reactors running. They have agreements to continue to see a supply come in the front door. Um, you know, but they've always got more that they can purchase discretionarily and, and, you know, they have minimal inventories now. So, you know, I just don't think that the pressure's on for the fuel buyers to be buying today. Um, but we all know that, that, um, you know, a huge number of, of legacy contracts have rolled off in the past couple of years. That's why production is down because producers are no longer incentivized by legacy contracts. Uh, and the new contracts are not priced where the legacy contracts were. So, you know, producers have been signing contracts and they're generally market-based contracts um, on the anticipation that the market's going to go up. Um, but, but how have players, like if I look at Exelon, right, they, they recently announced, um, well, I think some legislation suggests that they're actually going to, I think it was two specific um, um, reactors they were talking about, but they've played the game for the last two or three years. Actually, we're going to let those things, you know, end of life, we're going to let those things uh, go. We've got other forms of energy that we're going to focus on. This is one. Is that just part of a game of trying to extract capital from whichever state they're operating in, uh, get government finance, and, you know, it's all it's all fun, all fun and fair at the games, right? Well, no, the reality was, and is that that um, the energy markets in the United States um, were not rewarding baseload electricity generation like the nuclear power plants and the utilities uh, needed the uh, uh, the support uh, for their type of electric generation, which everybody agrees is the right kind of generation today. Nuclear has really come a long ways in the eyes of public acceptance and the embrace because of our our drive to reduce carbon emissions and you know and decarbonize our electricity grid. Nuclear is a key player, so you know you know that you have. But, but renewables asset. was picking up the spare cash. Renewables were getting the subsidies. Well, exactly, you know, right? nuclear was not, and and nuclear says you know we need this to keep our uh, in heavy invested assets, these nuclear power plants, running and generating uh, clean, green, and reliable. Um, electricity. And Matt, that did nothing for the fuel buyers. All it did was introduce in, in uncertainty for the, the fuel buyers of those utilities. Uh, they didn't know if they had to buy the next reload for those power plants or not. Looks like Illinois uh, is going to support Exelon's uh, continuation of, of operation of those reactors. And that's a happy resolution because everybody gets pretty much what they want. We get the, the nuclear power, um, you know, the clean, the clean footprint of nuclear power and, and the reliability of nuclear power. And now the fuel buyers can, can come back with a little bit more certainty and say, okay, now we know there'll be demand for these reactors in the future. So let's- um, Well, that, but, let's but that's, that's why I asked the question, Wayne, because it, it struck me as like, you, you framed it as they were unsure, they were uncertain as to whether they should be, you know, buying for these reactors or not. T to me, it kind of scanned like, uh, hey, I'll tell you what, we're going to let we're going to let that run down. You're not giving us the support. So all the money's going over to renewables uh, to for subsidies for those guys. We need it over here. If you don't pay attention, the lights are going to go out. That's what it kind of felt well, like. It, it felt wasn't, like negotiation. It, it wasn't it wasn't scamming the government. They really didn't buy. 
they really wouldn't buy for reactors that they, they didn't know if they would be on or not. The decision as to whether to continue operating the reactors was contingent on some form of support. Um, you know, once that decision's made, now the fuel buyers can finally act, you know, and that's really what we're, we care about is, you know, when, when we talked to the fuel buyers, they said, well, look, we don't know if we have an excess of inventory or, or a shortage of inventory because we don't know what the future of those reactors are. So whatever, if it was a game, if it was, you know, uh, something more, um, it impacted the behavior of the fuel buyers. And, and now um, the fuel buyers have a green light uh, because they can project their needs better. Right. Okay. Wow. A lot going on at the moment. Isn't there a lot going? Well, there always has been. We, you know, we, we're into our I don't know, 80th weekly uranium show on cruxinvestor.com, and there's never been a quiet week. There's always something. Um, and right now, it's very, very exciting. People are also very excited about Spurt and what, what, it, what it's doing for the marketplace. You guys are the beneficiaries of that. It'll be interesting to see how many people take this as an opportunity to raise some additional capitals because you, you never know what the future holds. Um, lots of M&A and your announcement today, you're back in the game. You're positive. I think people were looking to hear positive tones from Mr. Wayne Healy. We're, wait, we're waiting. To, so are you positive? Is that the message to the market? Well, yeah, uh, we feel very comfortable with, um, uh, we being Peninsula, feel very comfortable with the chemistry that we've selected for the project, uh, with the progression of the field demonstration, with the valuable information we've learned from it. And, and we're glad that we made the decision uh, to do a field demonstration a year ago, rather than waiting until now to, to put our money down and start to to uh, figure out what's the optimal way to produce uranium from our facility. Once the market's up, you've got to be ready to act. You've got to, you've got to be ready to, to put production on the table um, and, and sell it. So, um, you know, that's what we've been doing for the last year. We've kind of been in the doghouse because we've been doing things that others haven't. Uh, but we believe that the things that we were doing were the right things for our shareholders and the outcomes today are showing it. And to your point earlier, you're saying by doing those things and by getting into production, you and a handful of companies who really will get into production will be the beneficiaries of what's going on in the market at the moment. Well, you know, look, the, the uranium renaissance period, 2005, six, seven, I lived through it. Uh, there were a bunch of companies that were promising to become uranium producers and they found out what the timeline is to license, to develop, to, to put a project into production and to get that production up to a high successful rate. Most of them missed um, the peak market, uh, you know, but they were able to raise the money to put the project in um, and, and they got the project up in time, just, you know, just in time to idle it. You know, let's let's be on the front foot. Let's be ready to put the project into production at a time that the market's rewarding it. Then you'll have a long-term success. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.